Welcome to the Yana podcast, a mental health podcast where we're going to talk about life, hear stories of strength, and get all in our feelings so we can remind you that you are not alone. Our hosts are me, Carly, and Becca. Both of us are super passionate about mental health, advocacy, education, and shattering that stigma. We love creating opportunities for young people to share their stories and experiences about navigating mental health and life in general. The content of this podcast may contain mature subject matter, such as discussions about suicide, self-harm, drug and alcohol abuse, sexual or physical violence, as well as the use of strong language. Listener discretion advised. Hi, hello everyone. Today, or well, we're going to introduce our guest in a moment, but first let's tell you why we're doing this podcast. Yes. Carly and I work for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Yes, which is NAMI, otherwise known as. And NAMI is actually the nation's largest grassroots mental health organization. And we have the honor and privilege to work for our Philadelphia, Pennsylvania affiliate. And one of the programs that we do through NAMI is called the Ending the Silence Program, where we go, it's a teen mental health educational program where we go into schools and youth programs and we talk to kids or teens yep. and people about mental illness. And one of the things, one of the, the best part about the whole thing is that it's paired with a young adult who shares their personal story of their own mental health journey. But since world COVID, COVID, the world, good old COVID, good old COVID, um, the, we haven't been able to do that. So we thought we'd start a podcast and this way we can give young people an, still an opportunity to talk about mental health. Yes. So that leads us to our very special guest today. Yay. Marcus Cinque Harris, also known as MH The Verb. Uh, so multimedia artist MH The Verb uses Afrofuturism to build community while blending jazz, funk, hip hop, and electronic arts. The MJ slash producer has built a spacey catalog by mixing live instrumentation production, featuring musicians from his Philadelphia-based collective, Art House 95. Complemented by his deep voice and poetic activism, MH The Verb speaks to multiple generations with anthemic, anthemic, and how do you pronounce that word, anthemic? Um, power, delivering flows like affirmations. His empowering series, Afronaut, hashtag Afronaut, has been acclaimed by Afropunk, OK Player, Complex, Mass Appeal, Hip Hop DX, and NPR. MH The Verb is a full live experience mixing multiple vocalists, rappers, fusion band, live visuals, and a DJ. Imagine what you'd see and hear from a collaboration between The Roots, Parliament, Funkadelic, and Flying Lotus. And my verb is truly out of this world. That is for sure. <laughs> wow, what an intro. That right? was so cool. Yes. I feel like you might be one of the like, and I this is one of my new favorite words to use, dope, because I feel like it makes me sound super cool, right? It does. <laughs> so I, I feel like you're like one of the dopest people we've ever had on this podcast. How cool. 
Yes. Yeah, it's, it sounds yeah, really cool have... when you read it like that, you know? See? <laughs> it is. Listening well, back to all the things you've accomplished. And yeah, I'm amazed at the... myself. Right? You should be. Hello. That's awesome. Well, I'd also just like to tell a little story real fast. So Marcus and I go way back. Um, so a little fact about me that people might not know is that I used to work in the music industry. I was a publicist and manager and I worked with Marcus in Philadelphia and that was like, get this, that was almost 10 years ago. Isn't that? Wow. That was almost 10 years ago. That was almost 10 years ago. I was going to say my new publicist wrote that intro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, she's so good. Or she's, he's good. Good. he's good. He's good. I keep doing that. I'm so sad. No, it's okay. I think I, because I'm thinking of myself. So, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. And I, and I helped you with your, your, when you were starting your business. Right. I'm I was just telling. Consultant. Yes, you were. I was just telling. In my banking days. That. <laughs> yeah. Yes. My financial and business consultant yeah. yeah exactly help me get my llc and everything hey shout out to that. those with, with with day jobs you know right bringing their <laughs> yeah. day jobs into their creative yes wonderful so, well i love this i love this little throwback this is like bringing you guys back together again the synergy <laughs> is real the synergy is real Synergy yeah. is real. I love that. Well, I'm so happy that you're here. And I know that Becca is thrilled that you're here as well. And yes. we're super pumped to hear a little bit more about who you are and kind of what, you know, what your passions are, why you're so interested in mental health and advocacy. But first, I want to check in with everybody, see how we're all doing, see how we're all feeling. And then I'm going to ask my ever so famous introduction question so that we can all get to know each other a little bit better so I'll start checking in and then we'll go to Becca and then Marcus so I'm doing good it's the weekend it is Sunday which is great and so this is something really fun my wife and I rotate on the weekends we have four kids for those of you guys who do not know I have four children so every weekend my wife and I give each other a sleep-in day where one of us wakes up a little bit earlier and does all the kid morning stuff and the other one gets to sleep in a little bit. So today was my sleep in day. So I feel refreshed and revitalized <laughs> and rested and I feel fantastic. So that is how I'm feeling today. A little, still a little tired, but I feel like that's just my, my standard. <laughs> that's my standard. So Here's my question, and I don't know if you guys are into this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So I'm a big game person. Like, I love board games or cards or, you know, back in the day, I used to play, like, Shoots and Ladders and Candyland and all that stuff. So what is now or was your favorite, like, board game slash game game when you were a young, a youngin? So for me... My favorite game, and this won't surprise my, my friends who are listening, was Pretty Pretty Princess because, <laughs> okay, because you got to get all the fancy jewels and the crown, and I used to somehow cheat. I don't know how I used to do this, but I used to always win. 
so that I have all the jewels and all the crown. And I feel like as a 30 something year old, I'm so excited for to play this game with my daughter <laughs> so that I can wear the crown again. So I have to find this game. So if anyone oh knows God. where I can find, cause you can't, it, they don't make it anymore. I've so, never even heard of this game. What? You like spin a wheel and you get to like move little pieces. And if you land oh, wow. on a piece of jewelry, you get, there's a ring, a necklace, a bracelet, earrings and then the crown so you like go on this board and you get all the jewelry pieces and then you get the crown wow okay they don't make it anymore so if anyone knows where i can find pretty pretty princess holler. i know exactly where you can find this game it's called where? game of thrones board game from what i'm literally going said. on it immediately and buying <laughs> no i'm just kidding what did you just say <laughs> i said it's called the game of thrones board game Oh my gosh. more 30 something version 30 game of thrones just triggered becca's heart <laughs> can you see what is behind me on the wall over there is that a sword it yeah. in fact is a sword it is john snow's sword <laughs> i am yeah. like the biggest game of thrones fan well it's i'm not oh, I, we, I don't think we can, I would we like can battle see. on that one Oh, we can battle. We, uh, we, Becca, I, <laughs> that could be I, a whole episode. On. Yeah, that could be a I whole will. episode within itself. So you Look got long claw over there, huh? Oh my gosh, there it is. Becca's showing <laughs> for our listeners who do not, who can't see what's happening here. Becca is showing Marcus all of her Game of Thrones memorabilia, Just the stuff that's in within within reach. Yeah. Anyway, oh so pretty, pretty princess. Anyway, that's my game and will forever be my game. Becca, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> and what was your or is a game that you love? Um, I'm, I'm doing okay today, actually. Um, I, I just got back from having lunch at my dad's house, which was really, um, which was really nice. And so I ate a lot. So I have a little bit of the itis right now. But <laughs> so I could take a nap, but I'm also on my like fifth cup of coffee. So we're, we're that's working my girl. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I'm feeling okay today. Um, my favorite board game. So, or game game, like a card game. It didn't have to be a board game. So I'm going to, I have two. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys. <laughs> Becca always has to have two things. She cannot just have one. Because I'm mad, Becca. Give us your Oh my god! There's like so. I really liked the Babysitters Club game. Fun, love that. I could play with like my brother or my friends, and then but with when it was family game night, which we did that, um, was the game of life. Which oh, life is the jam. Yeah, well, but life the thing is, is yeah, I hate like like pretending to have, you know, like I yeah. avoid life in all ways right now. So anyway, so yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> I love life. It's definitely a cultural question. Okay, great. So tell us then what your what your choices are. How, tell us how you are, and then you know what your choices. I am a. Uh... I, you know what I, I honestly I don't know how I am anymore I'm I'm just at peace I think it's just the, <laughs> the way to say it is just like you just kind of wake up some days and you're just like nothing's really gonna happen today that's <laughs> any real significance right now so might as well just go through the motions and enjoy it and not put too much pressure on yourself 
Yeah. Um, Thanks for that reminder. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at, I'm at kind of looking at the end of 2020 here. It's just like, chill, bro. Um, I definitely think this, <laughs> this question is so funny to me. <laughs> but uh, I also can't choose one. I'll give you a few. Give me a few. Give me your list. I mean, my probably, I was going to say my go-to one is chess. Chess is... Oh, see, I can't, I, I don't have the mind for chess. Yeah, it's a nerd game. I'm not going to lie. I was on the chess club, you know. You were? <laughs> I was. I love that. I was. You were. I'm too competitive at things, so games become very unfun very fast and in, in, in our household and stuff like that but um uh, another one with scrabble i like scrabble but but the thing we played most is cards games and that's why i said it was cultural because you know we played spades bidwits, yeah hearts, yo uh, spades Uno. is no joke spades oh, is no joke yo let yo. me you want to you want to see what's really no joke come to a black family reunion and play spades i mean like <laughs> want to see some people get really upset and angry and like you want to see pure joy and rage come see some some barbecues and spades and stuff. <laughs> I love it I can only imagine yo oh family don't talk for imagine. months after after spades games that's a serious game yeah at a college too I remember um one of my roommates we I lived with like five guys in in Pittsburgh and in a broken down slumlord house in Pittsburgh and our one um, roommate was going to um, Europe for a study abroad, and we gave him the money for the the uh, cable bill before he left, and he didn't pay it, and it went out. And so you had five guys with no internet or cable for a week. Oh, <laughs> and we literally played spades twenty four seven for for five days straight. Oh wow! It got real intense. And Monopoly. We, we play Monopoly too. We played spades in my recovery house when I got out mm. of <laughs> Yeah. I'm saying I'm not playing games with you guys anymore. <laughs> I can't handle it. This is triggering. Um, yeah, we played. See, in my household, my dad was a gamesman. So, like, I'm saying those games because they're not as competitive. Because yeah. when we, my dad, never let us win at games like he was not one of those parents like you know we would play clue which was also one of my favorites i forgot about clue but like and he would have a notepad he would be taking notes on what people were saying so that he could you know like he had like his basically like his detective journal or whatever to like you know so it was a competitive household um and i think that's partially why my brother and i are so fucked up no just kidding <laughs> I said, and now I have to bleep it out. <laughs> <laughs> you oh broke the rules. <laughs> anyway, anyway, well, that was a fun little chat. I'm a sucker for a good game. So I had to know where everyone else stood on their gaming, you know, yeah. experiences. So anyway, back to, remember I said at the beginning that I feel like Marcus is one of the dopest people we've had on this podcast. So Thank you. you. Would you prefer us to call you Marcus or um, MH? It's always it, you know what? I have it's it's name. <laughs> I, I don't really I don't really care honestly. Uh, whatever you're more comfortable calling me. Okay. Both my names, different people call me both. Uh, I so, feel yeah. like I I feel like I always used to call you MH. That's true that you did. I do remember <laughs> that. Yeah. You bringing up some of that stuff made me think of some stuff, and I I kind of got a smirk on my face and made me made me laugh some of the things some of the old stories 
Well, I was telling Carly before we got on here that I'm probably going to have to do a ninth step with you a little bit another time. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's like those those things though really shape who you become. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's just growth. I yeah. mean, not to get too overly like into it already, but no. um, I, I like when I when you asked me that question, Carly, about the games, the first thing I mm -hmm. think of is I, I'm very introspective and analytical and I just always think about what I learned playing games about myself and like how that kind of comes back into your life and like I think the same thing when you when you work with people and like relationships and stuff it just you you have to be able to do inventory of that and like and like see okay well what were the things that I did well and how can I build on those so nice okay mm, yeah those that. experiences were great They're, they brought me where i am now i'm doing a lot of the same stuff now you know yeah yeah well i i had a great time too so. <laughs> <laughs> good well i want to know more about yes. you and kind of you know back like when you were a kid or when you were in high school middle school mm -hmm. what did life look like for you what was your i'm sorry if you hear the jingle in the background that's my dryer yeah. <laughs> so anyway, what what was life like for you growing up? Um, life for me was very. There's no, you know, I, I don't believe in like defining something in, in a few words or sentences. And I just think that you know, life for me was like like it is for most people. It's full of ups and downs. I I was truly blessed. I have a lot of great people in my life. Um, who did a lot of great things for me, starting with my parents who. Um, I'm very close with to this day. Um, and because of the fact that they really, you know, especially being a black man in this world, they gave me so much privilege that a lot of my cousins, family, a lot of the people around me didn't have. But at oh. the same time, they, they kept it real with me and, and, and they treated me as an adult in a lot of ways and allowed me to grow and be individ an individual and uh, find my own paths and, you know, take ownership of my own actions, which at times, you know, has taken me in some weird directions and allowed me to fail in different ways and mm -hmm. but also just you know I used to look back on it and I used to say you know I traveled a lot as a child and I and I had some um, unconventional experiences being in the world that I was in you know my my mother's a teacher so things to her was it was very big for uh, my family in terms of education and being proper and, and, and doing the work that you needed to do to, you know, achieve and keep yourself out of trouble. Um, my dad is, a, 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 I always consider him to be a genius in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. and he's uh, always worked in the communities and nonprofits. And so a lot of, and both of them, they, they, they've always been giving people, they take in, you know, people, they help people, they've always been welcoming. And I think that's just a big part of my personality that, you know, um, it's and with my artistic growth, it's, you know, they've always been interested in that. They just didn't have a lot of the same opportunities or the same world that I had. So, sure. um, you know, they wanted to give me better things. And at um, a point in your life, you have to look back and say, well, they did their job because now my goal is to be better than them and use the things that they gave me in my life to, to continue to move uh, not just our family, but my community forward. So I think yeah. a lot of a lot of my childhood, looking back on it, uh, I just think I'm grateful 
because mm. there's, there's nothing else that you can be. I mean, you can't change things. You can't live in regret. You can't live in the past. You just got to, and it takes a long time to get there. I remember, I don't yeah. think I got there until I hit 30, uh, <laughs> you know, realistically. Um, but, you know, doing that inventory, doing that work is important. And it's still a struggle, you know, like there's been days when you, when you wish you could change things or you have regrets and things like that, but you have to, you just have to kind of build on it and, and realize that, your story is your story and no one else's and mm-hmm. define it. And there's no right path, no wrong path. There's no, um, there's no ability to, you know, there's always an exception to the rule and it's up to you if you decide to be that or be whatever the hell you want to be. You know. Yeah. I love that you said, you know, that it didn't take you, it took you until you were like 30 almost to realize that. And I can really relate to that because I feel like so many times in my like young adult journey and my like teens and early twenties, I was like, dang, like this is never going to get better. I'm never going to amount to this, or I'm never going to come and find peace and gratitude. And I'm just going to be in this slump. But when I got to this point where I was like, wow, like look how far I have come. And I kind of like changed my mindset and really started to find like joy and beauty and like the small things and really trying to focus my energy on positive things rather than dwelling on the garbage that may have happened in the past um, was really life changing for me to change that mindset. So, and that didn't happen for me until I was older either. Guys, guys, I am still working on that. Like, that's, that's what I was going to say is like, it's, it's never an ending thing. Right. 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 It is like, I'm still every day, you know, having to think about that stuff. So, so where did you grow up? Oh, that's, that's an answer in itself. I was born okay. and raised in New York. Right. I spent some time in Flint, Michigan. Uh, my parents were very open in a lot of ways about trying to get me to have more experiences because they didn't get to do a lot of that stuff that they wanted to do as children, you know, uh, and so they, you know, I used to spend time in different places in Montana and uh, California and New Orleans, and we used to travel a lot. And, um, but I went to high school, I kind of settled down uh, in high school uh, in West Palm Beach, Florida, which is a whole wow. world in itself. Wow. And before going to uh, the University of Pittsburgh. And, and Florida really was where I kind of, found a little bit of I think direction in terms of music um it's really where I started I was playing sports and I was into like a lot of the culture cultural aspects of like some of the negative cultural aspects of just my environment and one of the things that kept me kind of focused was being involved in art and music um mm, going to good stuff. school of the arts and having a really cool network that is still you know like a lot of my network I'm still close to them today from we have a very unique uh community from from those days and so like a lot of those people are still engaged in their artistic work you know like um in the movie industry and comedy and films music tv um you know they're they're really high achievers and so we cross paths at times and uh it's really great to have that kind of um you know that that camaraderie of like growing up in those in that very very creative environment but Hmm. yeah creative environments (laughs) creative environments are like some of the most magical places I feel like I I too am a creative in my own 
way. I'm not, I'm more of like a dancer and a theater kid. Mm -hmm. So um, creative environments were really healing for me too, growing up and being able to express myself um, in ways that I couldn't express myself in like standard therapy or standard communication. So I love whenever we get people on the podcast that have found so much healing from the arts. Yeah, it was an art school. It's called, uh, it's, it's called the Dreyfus School of the Arts in West Palm Beach, Florida. It's a magnet high school where okay. kids have to audition to go there. And there's five, well, there was five different art uh, uh, majors that you could go into. And so many of the people like are visualists and uh, like a friend of mine, I just was talking to named Christy, Christy J, Christy Johnson. Uh, she's a, uh, she does uh, textiles and designs and has a really dope, uh, does um, really dope art in, in terms of clothing and stuff like that. And uh, one of my friends, I won't say his name, but he's, he's a, uh, he's a very prominent actor in Hollywood. And another friend of mine is a writer on uh, for, she's going to be on this upcoming season of Superstore and we have somebody that's who's a, a great star, show you know like we, we so got cool. it all around you know we got um somebody who's really big in the gospel music scene and you know just nice. like a lot of really amazing a guy who I'm really close with here who's in the tech world and wow yeah so that's great yeah just for point of reference you're in are you in the west coast now I am in the Bay Area, yes, right yeah, outside okay. of Oakland. Um, okay. Area so you called are, Hayward, yeah. yeah, so um, I came out here about three years ago to to kind of dabble in some of that stuff and, right. and lend some creative. Um, it's It's been a very whirlwind three years, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I bet. So, so go ahead, Becky, you have a question. I can tell. I can feel it in my bones. <laughs> well, I think we need to take a quick break. And then we'll come back and then I have some questions. As of well. course you do. All right, it's break time. <laughs> break time. All right. We're back. We are back. So um, so performing arts, so just an art school, not performing arts necessarily, but an arts magnet school. Um, we've got great ones mm -hmm. here in Philly too. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are pursuing different things and, you know, have different interests and everything. I know teens, um, yeah. also, you know, deal with mental health struggles while they're in yeah. schools. And it sounds like what's really great about an art school is there's a lot of different ways for, for people to cope. But um, I was just interested in, I know you've talked before about anxiety and some depression. I don't, you know, but was, what was your relationship with mental health? Yeah, good question. Well, yeah, so in particular, and then you know, as you got, you know, older. as as a kid, I just held a lot of things in. Um, okay. I was very rebellious naturally. Uh, when you get, when you're given a lot of room, sometimes you can be uh, a lot of space to grow. You know, it's okay to be um, it's it's okay to be very uh, to make mistakes. Like I said before, you know, like I was given that that leash and and, mm -hmm. and took advantage of it in a lot of ways, and you know. I think a, a big part of what I look back on in terms of those times is, you know, I was born and raised in New York, which uh, very close to my family. I, I'm a black man. And I was in a, uh, up until the time I got to Florida, I had been primarily based in black communities and, you know, predominantly black schools uh, around a lot of people who look like me, who shared, 
even though they may not have shared similar ideals, it, you know, you're kind of defined by that. And then when I went to Florida, even though I was, you know, I had a lot of experience traveling and being around different people, that was the first time in my life that I became defined, especially as I got older and became a man and Mm -hmm. you start to be identified as something entirely different. And so for me, a lot of the, um, issues that I have, and we don't talk about this enough in, in our community is in relation to just identity of mm. what it means, because this is something that a lot of people don't think of, and, I, and especially white people, I want them to imagine what it would be like being ripped away from what is already a trauma-filled experience of community um, and, and being around people who don't look like you and don't share a lot of those same um, value. So, mm-hmm. you know, even in my music now, I talk about like just little things that as a child, when you're developing, you know, like a lot of my early relationships were defined by race, right. you know, um, and not in a positive way, you know, just being like being not being able to be with who you liked because of who their parents were and what they thought of, you, you know, those type of things or having to sneak around with things and not being able to be at certain parties and go to certain mm-hmm. places where your friends are able to do those things. Um, you know, that kind of stuff as a child, you don't think about it, you, but it defines a lot of your self-worth, a lot of your self-understanding. Um, Absolutely. So, so I feel like yeah. that's like almost, it's almost like a, tr- like tra- it's trauma, really. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's totally trauma. Uh, and, and you know what, like everybody's families have trauma. Um, that's something I've learned as I've gotten older is like trauma is something that we pass down and it's our job to continually just break those things, but they manifest themselves itself in different ways within us all. So, you know, like one of the things that as I've gotten older and had more conversations with my family, I realized that there was things that happened for me that are directly related to the feelings that were passed down from years and years of trauma in my, in my family and in my community, you know, uh, like colorism is a big one. Um, mm-hmm. I've always been a big guy. I've always played sports and kind of letting that define you and, and being dark skinned is not an easy thing, especially, but, but at the same time, like I, I remember also just like points of, you know, things that I used to take as pride, like girls grabbing my butt or wanting to kiss my, <laughs> like, kiss my, mm-hmm. like girls used to just walk up and like kiss me on the lips. Like you know, I remember really? my freshman year and just like talk about how beautiful my lips were like oh wow like which makes you feel good but then at some time at some levels there's a a certain level of fetishism with that and yeah I I agree actually I want to I so I have three of my children um I had mentioned I have four children and three of my children are mixed race um Mm -hmm. and my son he he is a, a, a brown boy and he has so many people and people talk about my daughter's hair like it's this incredible beauty and yes yes it is it's beautiful Mm -hmm. but like it like you said it almost becomes this like this like fed not a fed I don't know how to explain it but I relate to that because people are like can I touch her hair I'm like no no you cannot Or like yeah, they mentioned, like my son's lips, he has the most incredible lips that are mm-hmm. like ever in the world. And people always say that too. Oh my gosh, his lips. And I'm like, would you say that to like, to a stand, like another person? <laughs> right. Would you comment on their lips? Would you ask to touch their hair? No, you wouldn't. And so I, I relate to that experience a little bit as a mom. 
Yeah, there was a, a, a verse. So on the on the um, Afronaut LP, which came out in 2017, uh, the last song has a line where I talk to I say um, that your daddy calls me a, a nigga. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, let, like, pr- pretty much the insinuation is, well, when we're having sex, I want you to call me that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, like, uh, so a lot of people heard that and they're like, well, that's kind of provocative, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, I, and, 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 and like, um, but I kind of explained it on the most recent album too, Space Ninja, where I talked about, like, I pretty much brought up the same topic and said, you know, um, you know, having me over for, for Thanksgiving and feeling, you know, just talking about those experiences. I mean, cause those are, are real things. Um, I think that it's important that we remember that like, you know, there's a large segment of this world. I mean, women are included in this in a certain degree, but specifically talking about black people, there's most rooms in this country with a minority and that is immensely challenging thing. And when you consistently remind somebody that they're different, whether it's based on love or uh, attraction or um, or interest, it's still reminding them that they're different and reminding them of a power structure that has them as a minority. So that's important to keep in mind uh, when you're, you know, just, you know, everybody's trying to play the woke Olympics now, but like, mm-hmm. let's just really kind of get to the mental aspects of what we're dealing with and, and try to empathize with different cultures. Wow, yes. I love that expression, by the way, the woke Olympics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is great. Yeah. And I just, I appreciate your perspective so much, Marcus, because I think that this, like this conversation needs to be heard by everyone, you know, like this is not a conversation that should ever be unheard <laughs> or ever be like brushed under. And I think it's something that we don't talk about at all. Yeah. And I'm really grateful for this today. So yeah, yeah, well, I appreciate that. Can I? I'll give you. An, I'll give you another more. Uh, it, it, and it's not always just about race, but like there's. I, I think about when we were talking. Beck and I were saying about how we used to work together, and we have a friend, a mutual friend, who had kind of uh, who who I kind of um, I I built a relationship with based on both of our struggles at the time kind of going mm-hmm. through a lot of that anxiety and dealing with some very personal um, aspects of, you know, mental health trauma. Like just, uh, I, I didn't get my, fr- I had my first panic attack when I moved to Philadelphia. It was the weekend I moved to Philly. Um, I came from Pittsburgh. I had spent, you know, super senior years at college in Pittsburgh, living there for like almost 10 years. And moved to Philly to be, you know, to kind of be with some friends and start a new relationship and a new job and a career and really try to follow my music more. And the first week I moved there, I had a panic attack because it was just so overwhelming. And I, that Mm -hmm. time in my life, that's what I, uh, uh, you know, I didn't tell anyone for so long. Like it wasn't something I, I was dealing with these very frequent attacks and I was dealing with this, this um, kind of just, unsure nature of my life and like um trying to like make all these decisions at once and putting all this pressure on myself and I just wasn't telling the people who were closest to me like the people why why do you think you weren't were you scared was there like a layer of shame or 
definitely a layer of shame, definitely mm-hmm. a layer, layer of fear. And also a lot of times we're, we live in an individualist culture, like where you just deal with your problems yourself. You don't bring those to people. You don't like want to. Right. Um, but I do know now that a lot of the things, and this is what I learned during that time was that a lot of the people that I was with doing the work were dealing with their own demons. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what I can say to Becca and I can say to, um, because you've been very vocal about that as well. And the, uh, you know who I'm talking about with our friend and like just those times they helped, but I can only imagine how much more help it would have been had we been more honest with ourselves first and also with each other to be able to like put together this great power and figure out ways to either support. But then again, you know, you're just not ready sometimes. Like it's, that's just the growth. So you can't look I'm back getting on those like- things. I'm going to tell you, I'm getting like super emotional right now. Oh, I love that. Like, get it out, girl. That's okay. I, I was just like, I, I mean, I know this is like not typically how we do this stuff, but I, I feel like this is different, but like, I like was struggling so much, then, you know, and like, yeah, like, real uh, quick, real quick, let's set the table because I feel like people will get a lot from it. I moved to Philly to pursue my music career. I met Becca through a mutual friend, Kufnats, who did the, who Kufnats started out. doing some, yeah, some music together. And um, actually I met you at that show where you came through. We had a lot of mutual friends, a lot of artists and Becca wanted to kind of, was one of the people working with us. Uh, she was, she became our publicist. Yeah. A group of us. And there was a few other people who were working and we put together a team, like a collective, um, part of us were you know some of us were musicians some of us were behind the scenes doing business stuff and so just the working relationship of really believing that we had something special and trying yeah. to build that um and you can go on from there I'll just I just want to say well yeah <laughs> no I mean it was like we were doing more than just like you know book making moves stuff like that yeah we were making, making moves. moves yeah and it's funny because and it's it's cool to hear you say that too so I was struggling a lot with bipolar disorder and I didn't, wasn't diagnosed with it. You know, um, I, I just, I remember talking to Koof just recently and he's like, you know, you just didn't eat. <laughs> and like, you know, I was mm-hmm. for days and like, yeah. I was so skinny. And like, I also then would sleep for a couple days, you know, like you couldn't wait, like I would just disappear. And yeah. it was like all those things, but we didn't talk about it. You know, it was just like, oh, Becca's just Becca. I don't know. You know, well, we like, talked about it, but I'm sorry to interrupt, but we talked yeah. about it, but we didn't talk about it the way we should have. Like, cause for someone who's dealing with anxiety, um, because they have so much, they're constantly putting stuff on their plate and they're told that they can't, that they're not supposed to question that they're just supposed to keep putting more yeah. on the plate. And then for you to be dealing with you or you're dealing with and, and having these kind of the, these, these, you know, episodes where you, you, I wouldn't talk to you. I'd be like, I need this answer. I need this answer. I need, you know, I need, yeah. <laughs> And so it was just, it became just toxic. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I know. I, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like in terms of like, I was not, you know, and like now I struggle with like, what was my mental illness? What was me being a mm-hmm. shitty person? What was me, you know, like, I don't know what was just me being really like, uh, um, like dedicated like focused and 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 whatever like you know what was what was it's hard to say you know and I have like all this shame (laughs) that like goes with it like where 
when I like think about when I first talked to Coop, I was like, oh my God, you know, like I have so much shame from that time because I don't know how I actually was and what was real and what wasn't. And I don't mean like in a hallucination kind of way, but like, no, I I mean, right. what was really me? What was my mental illness? And I, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if you know this, but I had a kind of a breakdown after like there was, I look at that as a season. It was like a two year window of time where there was just this really intense progression of my life. And um, it also coincided with a really toxic personal relationship I was having with a girl who I was dating, who I had kind of, in a lot of ways, grown up with and, and, you know, kind of my first real, my first love in a lot of ways and um, dealing with, you know, I, I, essentially what I did, I, I had an episode where it landed me in, in, in care. And, you know, like, I, and it was the eye opener that I needed to just be like, wow, like, I'm no longer in control. I try so hard to control everything, but Dude, I can't even control same. myself. And that was yeah. an eye opener for me. And since, you know, it took, that was the first step of me, like, saying, okay, I need to value this. I need to put myself first, my health. Um, and it's, like I said, it's a struggle. We talk about it. That was like, you know, I was 27, I think then by then. And, and, and you just kind of have to not even know I wasn't 27. I was 25, I think. But anyway, yeah, you have to just build from that. And so those yeah. are the first steps. And for a long time, I was upset with Becca and we had like kind of a negative <laughs> relationship for a while and not just her, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but you, you kind of have to get past a lot of that stuff and like rebuild yourself yeah. before you can like make those things happen I know wow. I, said to, I said to Carly I was like I'm not really sure where we're at <laughs> but I was like I just knew that I needed to reach out to you and mm -hmm. that I wanted you know that <laughs> especially like hearing what you had to say on in for the concert that we put and also to give people context like so we just had our NAMI walk uh this past week and we did a rally mm -hmm. for it a few months ago and we to um Koof, who we've talked about who was you know in our he put together like a concert um and and marcus mh <laughs> was part of it and because it was mental health related each performer talked about their relationship to mental health or why this yeah and so listening to what you were talking about with your anxiety and having periods of depression and things like that i just it was like oh Wow. You and know. it's amazing. Like, could you have imagined, like, I, I was not a part of your like super cool circle back in the day, <laughs> but I feel it was like super cool. it, I can imagine like if this conversation was taking place then, like how different like things might have been. And like, that's why I love that we're having this conversation. Cause I'm hoping somewhere someone is listening and is connecting to the podcast content, is connecting to MH's story, is connecting to Becca's story and being like, yes, like this is what I needed to hear mm -hmm. because this is how I feel. And it might help them or encourage them to seek support or speak out or something. Yeah. And, and the difference between the conversations now, like, cause this, it wasn't just Becca and I, it was like, there was a large group of us and I've realized that so many artists struggle with a lot of the same things because uh or people just not even artists but like people in you know who are who have creative elements to whatever they're doing the work and they're trying to create or produce something 
they have so many of the same tendencies. We don't talk about it. And it's important not to talk about it from a position of what you need versus a position of where you are. Like, cause I think that was the problem too. Like when I say what you need, it's like what I need you to do, what I need to happen, what I need to get from this versus where you are, which is living in the, which is, you know, that's still an anxious mo- uh, point of view because you're thinking about something that you can't control. Whereas where you are is what, where you are right now. And in the moment of your conversations, what is it that is, is bothering you? What is it that is your, that you need to say now? Uh, what mm. is it that is going to be very productive for this person, not to, for you to get from them, but for you to share with them? And so I think wow. like if you're young and you're trying to have these conversations, because I remember having these conversations with bandmates, but it always came out negative because I was always asking for somebody to do something for me, whether for it was you. the right thing or the wrong thing, but it was always for me. And it's still, it's still, a, you know, it's still something you do, but you just kind of got to get there where you're just, yeah, you're just thinking about like more about what you really feel. Yeah. Wow. I love that. So like, are you saying like when you have a friend, okay. And they're like going through what they're going through, they're dealing with feelings and they may seem overwhelmed instead of asking them, like, what do you need? Or what can I do? Asking them, how do you feel? Um, I think even more, more, I think even more taking a step back from that. That's a good point mm-hmm. before you can even get there. Before you can take things to other people, you have to figure out what it is that's bothering you. Because a lot of times people will do things that will upset you or make you feel a certain way, or you will take it as they're not, you know, like, like, this is one of the things that used to happen so often is like, you start working with somebody on something or you, you get invested, you get excited about something or somebody promises something. And then if they don't deliver to your expectations, then you're upset. Then you have feelings that now you feel affected and but, but, but instead of like, you know, holding them accountable for that, hold yourself accountable for your expectations and why you didn't get what you needed to get. Why are you reliant on somebody mm-hmm. else's actions for your feeling? Like, and so, you know, like I don't put restraints on myself nowadays. Like, you know, if we say we're going to do a track and it doesn't get done, what did I do that, you know, like, okay, well, that just happens, you know, but what can I do to, to rectify my feeling of, I'm being unproductive or what can I do to rectify my feeling of feeling like hurt by someone not showing up or yeah those are the things that we have to to figure out and like because maybe it's something that I can do that starts with maybe me finding new people or me finding a different direction or putting my energy into something that serves me better yeah Mm, my a friend of my one of my close friends um she she always says like what she has to say to herself in every situation is does this serve me you know, mm-hmm. And it's like, if this does not serve me right now, then it's not something that I should, you know, and, that, and, 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 that, and that's in relation to does me getting really angry that this is not working out or, you know, does that serve me? No, that doesn't serve me. Like, so um, I try to think about that a lot when I just, I'm in situations where I'm getting really frustrated or anxious or sad or whatever, you know, it's like, does this reaction serve me does do these people serve me not like you know literally like drawn style but i mean like (laughs) 
they yeah. does do do they serve a purpose in my life that's you know that's good for me um, and also and also not just serve a purpose for me like directly right but my community that affects me just like that and that's why i think we are with the whole covid thing you know like the mask right. and everything um i don't want to wear a mask i'm asthmatic i don't really but i but we have to look at things like just common courtesy of okay what's best for our society what's best for me yeah. in terms of my society and my community so um you know being impactful is important that's that's one of the most important things you can do yes yeah i love that can you tell us some of the ways that, I mean, I know that you you have a heart for like advocacy and doing things that are really positive within your community. Um, and I want to hear a little bit about that kind of stuff. What the things that you're doing to just make your community a better, a better place. Um, yeah. So I'll start with the most basic thing is just the music. Um, I have a kind of goal to, to bring people together through music and not in terms of like just parties and, but to create conversations. So that's why a lot of times in my lyrics, you know, I, it is affirmations cause it's, it's for myself. Like what are the things that I want to tell myself, like wake up in the morning, uh, you know, water in the morning, I feel balanced, water every morning. Uh, or what is it? I'm trying to remember the lyric. <laughs> uh, yoga in the morning, feel balanced water in the morning by the ounces like those are yes. things that i'm trying to do like self-care yeah self-care wake like i think about that when i wake up now and i'm like okay stretch like at the very least do a stretch and next thing right. just drink a bottle of water just start it yes. off with that like you know like it's something it's the things that are that basic but the name of the the album space ninja and it you know um space ninja is the whole album is we I had a lot of conversations with elders in my communities about words and hip hop specifically. And the thing that they really had a problem with in terms of hip hop was the, and the use of the N word and the B word. Like those are two things, all the other curse words aside, I mean, language is an issue, but we can't start to have conversations in my community. until we start to like at least sit down and agree on the language. And so the whole point of Space Ninja was because even though I don't have a problem saying the N word or the B word, and if it calls, you know, and I listen to music that way, I just wanted to show that you don't have to do that. Like there's other mm -hmm. ways to, to cause it's just a crutch in a lot of ways. And yeah. so when we can, you know, I didn't want people to listen, especially older people to listen to the words that I was saying in a lot of ways, calling out the traumas. Sure, and, sure, sure. And being like, well, I can't hear you because of the words you're using. And so I think that's something important uh, that I'm trying to promote in my community. Outside of that, a lot of the a lot of the work that I'm doing is is especially recently um, is about bringing my art and my um, you know I do digital media outside of this. I have a started a company called Afronaut Media, which essentially works as a digital media project manager for small businesses and now organizations as well. And so we design wow. websites, uh, and I'm trying to bring more musicians into this to give them opportunities of how they can use their transferable skills and create enterprise. So, um, and not just, you know, for small businesses, but also for community organizations. So um, I'm working with an organization called the Oakland Frontline Healers. We're doing, uh, in, in Oakland, we're doing specifically uh, COVID response in the black community, especially East Oakland. I'm actually gonna be going to a free uh, COVID testing site today. Um, that we, we've been doing pop-ups all over the city, working with wow. a nonprofit called Urban Strategies that 
is working on some projects regarding police reform. Uh, hey, Coco, yes. which is which is doing similar work in 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 Hayward. Um, yeah, just uh, you know, trying to link with uh, you're doing it. Cam. Yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta like be out there. You gotta invest in your community, invest your time, your energy. Yeah, and I think that that's so important um, because I mean, I feel like I share a similar heart right is that like you can talk and do all these things and say all these things that you want to do and make a difference and but when you're actually like out there doing the work and like out there taking your your words and putting them into action that is like where change happens and I love that yeah I think it's also important to take time for self though like right now I'll be honest I'm I'm trying to take a step back from a lot of that stuff just because I feel like I kept going during uh, COVID and just put myself deeper, deeper into the work and the Zoom calls. And, you know, I need a break. I do. Everyone does, yeah. With with the um, political climate the way it is, it's just time to, like, kind of find some balance, I think. And yeah, it's good. Spend time with family during the holidays if you can, or loved ones, whoever yeah. family is to you. Which is, like, how does that happen right now? You know, and it's so this the future is so scary that right now like so unknown which is what is the scariest thing ever is like the unknown right so i think like what you're talking about taking a step back and kind of just like taking it day by day you know like it's just is is so necessary right now and it's so hard to do but yeah it's 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 just it's a scary time for anyone let alone people who have but battled with mental health yeah absolutely like kind of running on right now but like I really mm-hmm. want to go back <laughs> is that okay I'm yeah kidding. we only have a few more minutes but I do want to hear a little bit because it is almost time to wrap up but <laughs> that was me that was me being an artist <laughs> I like your tone but Thank I want to ask you about you said that you had to go into treatment yeah so can you tell us a little bit about that if you if you want to you know um, obviously you don't so to give a little bit more uh you know anxiety was what my issue was but the way i acted out on a lot of that was with uh drugs and alcohol and um you know this actually goes to the next thing i want to say is your mental health is also a part of your physical health. So if you're doing things to destroy your body, that's the fastest way to, for it to catch up. Um, because you, you know, you can't be, and, and, it's, and it's weird because when we destroy our, when our mental health is weak and we destroy our body, that's a balancing. That's, that's balancing. That's actually what it is. We feel bad. So we want to feel bad, you know? Um, but right. what we have to do is find ways to balance and, and shift outside of that. And that's what I learned is that my body just gave up. I had an episode one night where just being really depressed and really overwhelmed and my computer broke with a bunch of music. I had just, you know, I had spent three weeks with, I'm not three weeks, three months almost without a home, like um, kind of just couch surfing in Philly, uh, trying to put together a relationship and, um, you know, recording an album and it all just kind of fell one night. I just uh, did so much damage to my body that, you know, I woke up in a hospital and one of the scariest things I had to deal with in my life to be like, 
Yeah. Wow. Like, I don't remember the last 48, the last, what was it, 36 hours. Like, I've gotten, to, and I'm a big dude. <laughs> like, like it's, it takes a lot, you know, and, and hearing friends tell me about how they were watching it happen, you know. And it's yeah. not like I, I, I was never an addict or anything like that. I have an addictive personality in some ways, but it was never a problem in terms of Marcus has an issue. We need to have an intervention with him. We need to mm -hmm. get him in. A, you know, it was it was a constant just pushing of the limits. So you can't do it anymore. And the biggest thing, like I said, stretching, water, um, sleeping. Sleeping is a huge one. Um, and that's actually the number one thing that I've changed in my life is my sleep habits. Uh, I uh, I found out that I had apnea. I took care of that to get better sleep. I realized that my sleep schedule, I mean, Becca probably remembers, I was, I would stay up for nights on in regularly, sometimes yeah. partying, sometimes work, more often just working, like mm -hmm. working on stuff. And that's not healthy. You have to find that balance. So I didn't take time to like, think about my, myself at all. Just um, didn't eat right, you know, eating out all the time and stuff like that. And my weight is something I still struggle with just because like I said, I'm, I'm a big guy and I just naturally uh, can, can lose focus on that. But, you know, going in um, into the facility that I went into and, and talking with people was really unique because of the fact that I just met so many people who had issues that were so far beyond mine, you know, and it humbled me. It just was like, bro, you're worried about your broken computer. Like my baby mama's trying to like kill me right now. Like, you know, like just like all sorts of, you know, crap like that. Like people meeting people with like schizophrenia and, and geniuses. Like I played chess every day there with this guy who was schizophrenic and he would have these episodes, but he was a genius and I loved talking to him and he would just kind of go into these, these bouts and, and, you know, I remember he said something to me that was like, he said, cause I told him about how I lived in my head. He said, man, if I lived in my head, I'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was so real. Like, it was just like, you know, because he used he's battling demons that, you know, don't define him, but our world doesn't support him. So it's important for us. You know, I, I realized it was important for me to be healthy so I could help other people and be like and just live with purpose you like that's really what it comes down to just having something bigger than yourself and i'm still searching for that in a lot of days you know especially now i'm like damn what am i doing <laughs> um but you gotta you gotta go there sometimes i am just so emotional <laughs> right now i can't even tell you i'm like um I, and I was amazed at how many black men were there. You know what I mean? Like I, I mentioned yeah. that earlier, like that's an important thing, like to see, and, and this is, you know, it's important to see each other that way and see the emotional nature of each other. Cause we don't, we're not allowed to be emotional, but to talk, to have real, those real conversations. That was the first time I had conversations with other black men like that. Like it was the first time. Yeah. So, um, but no, I think that, I think that we should all just kind of, we need more also black men in mental health fields too to support it would mean a lot if i could find a therapist who was a black man i think honestly. yeah 
We have, um, we've had a storyteller that's worked with us that talks a lot about um, the stigma of mental health in the black community and in for black men in particular. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I think it is something, I, I mean, the, the, the racial disparity, I think in the mental health com- community is vast. It's like, it's something that's very um, broken that needs a lot of work and I think it's really incredible that you were at least able to have that experience where you were able to talk to other men and you know men in general again but like black men um because it's it's hard um and I know we do have to wrap up but I could talk to you all day yeah we probably could (laughs) so many things to catch up so yeah we do um definitely do (laughs) but I uh God, I'm like so emotional right now. I think emotions are good. This is good because it's, you know, it's something that you guys connect over (laughs) and you both have grown. I mean, I don't know MH personally, but (laughs) I know from your story, like how much growth, you know, has been a part of your story and you too, Becca. So this is like a really special connection that you guys are having. Yeah, because like even though, yeah, and even though we were in our 20s, which is like, we were kids (laughs) back then. So it's like nice to see that like, you know, you've gone through a lot, but you're, you know, you've got such a great perspective now, like, you know, just going, you know, like, and and what you've accomplished is, I'm so proud. (laughs) Oh, look at that. It's it's important to have the conversations because here's the thing that that people don't realize too is like I don't feel like that all the time you know what I mean like I don't feel like this introspectiveness this insight that I'm bringing and this wisdom uh, (laughs) is is not always there for me until I start talking about it and then I'm like oh yeah that's right let me remind myself hence the music hence the art like these things are important so you know do the work and and people around you putting good people I want to shout out to my friend Aisha Shabazz who's a who's a black therapist in the Philly area and um uh I'm trying to remember the name of her organization but I I just wanted to give her a shout out I think it's Flexology love that we should definitely get her info yeah get that yeah and maybe we can you know see if we can include it in your podcast notes um, and see how we can maybe elevate her and her platform and her organization so that, you know, it's, it's important to, to have that connection. Because we do work a lot with um, the, I mean, the community in Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, so they're really looking we like to kind of help people find the right, you know, resources. Yeah. And if it's cool, I want to, before we end, I just to end it actually, my, from, from my view, I want to tell you about one of the songs on Space Ninja. And if you get a chance, maybe you can put it at the end of the podcast or something. Okay. Yeah. And the, the song is called Ma Rainey. It's a song about, it's um, on the album Space Ninja. It's about mental health, specifically about when you feel down and people call you and you don't want to pick up the phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played the messages that people left on my phone, which in a lot of cases are positive. People are reaching out to you because they want to share positivity with you. So you have to remember that like it's there's things going on outside of your world it's okay to step back and let it go to voicemail but make sure to listen to those messages and yeah. so the um you know it goes power promise and vigor trying to deal with myself spent hours with stigmas discussing mental health 
Learn lessons of self by battling these depressions. Caught up in these confessions, recessive buildings of wealth, need some help. So I would call up my boom thing, said I'm killing the vibe. She's sick of my mood swings. Hell, I cried last night watching Game of Thrones. Got burner accounts just so I could hate on phones. And I'll let you listen to the rest, so. I love, I love that concept. Cause how many, I am, I have declined so many calls because of bouts of depression and anxiety and just not wanting to deal with people and have gone back and listened to voicemails and they do like most of the time they're calling to support you and love you and encourage you through what you're going through so yeah job offers you know family (laughs) check-ins wow Uh, sometimes I get sometimes I get really annoyed with people I'm like why is everybody calling me Mm -hmm. alone or they know I just need to like but it's, it happens with Carly. And like five out of the hundred call, five out of the 10 calls are probably me. Yeah. <laughs> I have to like, I have to, I have to um, like text Carly to be like, I'm going to turn my phone off tonight. Cause I just <laughs> need to like chill. So I just wanted to let you know ahead of time because I know you mm-hmm. freak out when I don't respond. I do. I get nervous. <laughs> I like to know what's happening in that little heart of yours. Yeah. So wonderful. Well, MH, thank you for making my Sunday bright. Yeah. Thank you. You are incredible. I want to ask just one more closing question before we end. And that question is, if you could tell your younger self one thing, that that young sweet boy, what would you (laughs) tell him today? Um, I did this in a Facebook questionnaire recently. (laughs) It was, uh, it's just don't take things so seriously and try to live in the present because you know, you can't really plan anything and every plan you think you're going to have, it's just, it's always going to just throw curveballs at you. So always stay, stay active, stay, uh, be, be water. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Go with the flow. Be yes. water. Be water. I love that. Well, well thank you so much. You tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, sure. My name's Marcus Sinke Harris. I go by MH The Verb artistically. And you can find everything MH The Verb, everything Afronaut at mhtheverb.com or afronautmedia.com. All social media tags at MH The Verb. Yes. And you can find us on Instagram at the Yana Podcast. And we release new episodes every Tuesday on all podcast platforms, including the one that you're listening to this on. Wonderful. Well, again, we are so grateful for you, MH, and just the energy and the passion and the person that you are. So keep Mm -hmm. doing what you're doing. Keep making music. Keep changing lives. Keep making your community better. Um, We're grateful for you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Well, have a wonderful rest of your day and we will see you guys. Peace. And stay tuned for Ma Rainey from MH The Verb. Hey, it's Rachel. I'm actually just following up on my last call regarding that $250,000 business wedding card that I had pre-approved for you. Um, stand a second quarter, and, and really, I'm just calling to find out if he had any growth plans for this summer. Good afternoon. This message is from Marcus. This is Angelique calling from Dialogue Direct. Wanted to Don't give you a call and have your resume on Indeed that really stood Don't call out. Me ninja. Don't call me your ninja. Hey, just checking in. I'll talk to you later. Bye now. Bye, rain, my rainy. Now, maybe. 
gutter the ballroom, the boardroom, baby. Marcus, remember that she is gonna be closed at 8 o'clock just to give yourself more time. Five rain, my rainy, now nah, maybe. Gutter the ballroom, the boardroom, baby. Hey, see, just giving you a call, haven't talked to you in a while. Um, hope everything is great. California, wanted to see if you knew when you were coming back to the East Coast. And uh, I recently saw Roman Rob almost two weeks ago and met her baby boy, who's adorable, the cutest. So, um, yeah, hope everything's going good. Talk to you soon. Bye. 99 percentages, our squad assembling. Humble and Thomas turning giant Goliath's feminine. Don't call me your ninja. Don't call me your ninja. 99 percentages, our squad assembling. Humble and Thomas turning giant Goliath's feminine. Don't call me your ninja. Don't call me your ninja. Don't call me your ninja. Rain, my rainy, now nah, maybe. Gutter the ballroom, the boardroom, baby. Five rain, my rainy, now nah, maybe. Gutter the ballroom, the boardroom, baby. Power, promise, and vigor, trying to deal with myself. Spent hours with stigmas discussing my mental health. Learn lessons of self by battling these depressions. Caught up in my confessions, obsessed with building some wealth. Need some help, so I call her my boo thing. Said I'm killing the vibe, she's sick of my mood swings. Hell, I cried last night watching Game of Thrones. Got burner accounts just so I can hate through phones. Addicted to social media, rabbit hole, Wikipedia, memes galore. Naughty America, hardcore. Sometimes I feel sad in the winter. Sometimes I eat chips by the bag, skipping dinner. Sometimes I feel old, I'm no longer a beginner Been a while since I felt like a winner But I got purpose, I know what the worth is I know what the work is I go back and read lyrics to my old verses like self-love Don't call me ninja, I don't like your attitude Don't call me ninja, I think it's really rude Don't call me ninja, time for self My brothers protect your mental health don't call me ninja, I don't like your attitude Don't call me ninja, I think it's really rude Don't call me ninja, I don't like your attitude Ninja, you're rude Take time for self, my brothers protect your mental health Gutter the ballroom, the boardroom, baby. If you or someone you know is in crisis, call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. Or you can text NAMI to the crisis text line at 741 741 or go to nami.org for more information. Remember, you are not alone.